you in so-called midlife and found yourself suddenly single after probably years of marriage and you're absolutely shitting it? Maybe you're on a divorce downer and have zero idea how the fuck to move on. Or you know how to in theory, but it's just not happening. If that's you, you're in the right place. This is the Divorce Chapter podcast, where we turn the unexpected divorce plot twist into a new and improved happily ever after. I'm Sarah Elizabeth, divorce coach and mentor, and I'm with you on this mission to rewrite our stories and make this next chapter the best goddamn one yet. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Divorce Chapter podcast. Thank you so much again. I say it every time I know, but I am just super grateful for anyone who has rated, reviewed, and shared the podcast. I am beyond grateful. Each and every one of you has been on my gratitude list this week, so thank you. Talking of my gratitude list... Now, a couple of weeks ago, in the episode about journaling, I talked about how I'm so grateful for a couple of specific things. Hot water, given that my boiler often breaks, and being grateful for the area I live and for my daily walks in nature. Well, fuck me. Clearly the universe was listening and thought, okay, this or something better than Sarah. Because just after the episode landed, my landlady decided to give me notice on my home, which, as you may know by now, is known as Princess Cottage. She's decided to sell it, which was a bit of a fucking shocker after 10 and a half years, let me tell you. I wasn't expecting it at all. And I really thought that she would sell it to me as the first option, but she's selling it to her son. So, you know, what can I do? And then once the initial shock wore off, though, I actually found myself quite excited. I'm actually really excited for the next chapter now. Don't get me wrong. Princess Cottage has been my sanctuary. It was exactly what I needed in the midst of my divorce and everything just fell into place at the right time for me to get it. Like, you know, the stars aligned, if you like. Let me give you the background. So you'll know if you've listened to the first episode of the pod about my divorce story. The end of 2012 saw me walking out of my disaster of a marriage in an attempt to get some space with only a suitcase of makeup, PJs and a bottle of wine. I ended up at my son's place in Bristol, but only for a few days. And I went back to the family home on New Year's Day 2013. It had only been three days away, but in that time, everything changed. My now ex-husband moved out to a local hotel, supposedly alone. But as we all know now, it was actually with sofa mistress. Our marriage was in tatters. The home just felt so different. It was empty, quiet, almost soulless. My youngest son was still there and a gorgeous dog. 
My mother-in-law was still in the annex attached to the house. Nothing furniture-wise or any of that shit moved. But somehow it all just felt so different. In those early days when my entire world came crashing down bit by bit with each new revelation, I wasn't thinking straight at all. Like my energy was solely focused on just getting through each day, each hour, each bloody minute in the really early days. I wasn't thinking ahead. But after the bulk of the main shit had come out, I started to panic because clearly the only place we were heading as a couple was a divorce. And also clearly I couldn't afford a house of that size on my own. Plus his mum lived there. So I started to think. I thought... I might be able to get some money out of the house. And so I guess a bit tentatively, I started to look on Rightmove, see what was out there. And there was this gorgeous cottage nearby on the village green. It had so much character, exposed brickwork, which I love. Original wood, nice beams, the lot. I fucking loved it. It was like a miniature version of my house, the family house, the marital home, whatever you want to call it. So along with one of my besties, I went to view it, as you do. No prep. I'm just going to go and view a bit. It was beautiful. I just loved it. But the owner then told me that she had the day before accepted an offer from a cash buyer and the message to cancel the viewing hadn't got through. I was gutted. And my my friend and I went to one of the two local pubs on the green and downed a couple of glasses of wine. Of course, I still didn't know at this stage that the dickhead ex had fucked up his business and there was no money in the house. But anyway, I'd started the divorce process, but then it became clear it was going to take a while because he wasn't responding. So I ended up kind of not too panicked and didn't really do anything then. Then in early... June 2013, it was what would have been our 20th wedding anniversary. And the ex by this stage was hounding me. And again, as six months before, I just wanted some space. So I took myself off on my first solo holiday to Paphos. I wanted to go somewhere that I'd never been with him and just somewhere different. So my oldest son dropped me off at the airport, started worrying about me being on my own. But Actually, for the first time in a very long time, I felt free. I felt a little bit excited. And then one day on my holiday, it may even have been the actual anniversary day. I can't even remember. But anyway, I took a bus to Paphos Harbour and found this lovely restaurant, bar, cafe type place. And I sat in the sun with a glass of wine and a book and ordered a waffle, as you do. And after I finished eating... I sat with another glass of wine, just still enjoying the sun. And I realised that for the first time in a very, very long time, my jaw was starting to unclench. I could literally feel my body start to relax and let go. It's like I'd just been tensed up for so long. I'd forgotten that wasn't my natural state that's not normal to be that tense for that long and I just as I felt my jaw unclench it was just the best feeling 
And it was in that moment, in that very moment, that I decided that I needed to leave the house. And I thought about the house and as much as I loved it, in particular, my mum and dad's kitchen and of course, my youngest son and my dog were there. It had become what I called the museum of our marriage. There was nothing left, just artefacts from a now historical era. That's how it felt. And of course, his mum lived there. So I got back to England, went straight on to Rightmove. And there, just added, was the gorgeous cottage on the green. Well, fuck me if that wasn't a sign. Now, a social worker I'd previously worked with and stayed friends with after she'd left lived three doors away in this row of eight cottages. So I called her up and she was on it. Her then boyfriend went along to the cottage, chatted to the owner, basically groomed him, told him how bloody great I am and got me a view in the next day. Love it. So I went along with the same bestie from previous and had all the same vibes as before, but even better because now it was empty. So I wasn't being distracted by their shit and it had been redecorated. So, oh my God, it was perfect. And I got the keys on the 25th of June, 2013. Now, I didn't even know where to start in moving. I had to think about moving a massive house into a tiny two-bed cottage. Well, actually, it's more like one and a half bedrooms as you can barely get a single bed in the second bedroom. And then another amazing friend and also my hairdresser, who is now known as Super Gem because of this next bit, came one night to do my hair. Actually, it's another story because I'd met her for the first time the day I went with my suitcase for some space and she's become so close. I'm now godmother to her daughter. But anyway, so Jim said to me, what have you packed? And I just looked at her completely blankly and said, I've got no idea where to even start. She was a godsend. She said, right, well, let's start in the kitchen then. And promptly went about taking half the plates and shit. So after that, Super Gem came to my house every night and we packed and moved a few boxes at a time, taking it to my now princess cottage. We went to Ikea and got some smaller garden furniture and we just, everything just kind of worked. Like Jen would go, you know, we'd come into the house and she said, where do you want this? And I go, I don't, don't care wherever. And things just became home really, really quickly. And on the 4th of July, Independence Day, of course, I moved in for good. I loved it. My friends loved it. My boys loved it. It was just perfect. And it felt so safe. And that's why I called it my sanctuary. It was and has been my sanctuary. When I closed the door, it's just me. And it was a new but such a bloody empowering feeling. And then 15 months later, my ex-husband went bankrupt around the same as time as the divorce, which meant the family home went anyway. And there was no money. And To make it worse, he hadn't paid the joint mortgage in the 15 months since I'd left, so my credit rating was fucked too. As I've said before, although it felt like I lost everything, I hadn't lost everything at all. But right then, at that time, it did feel a bit like it, but I still had my princess cottage. And it may not have been mine on the deeds, but I made it my own. And my landlady let me love my own goddamn life here. She even let me put pink lights in the kitchen plinth to match my pink smeg fridge freezer. Bless her. She she did let me make it my own. And I've been so grateful for that. And it has been an absolute dream. And it's taught me a valuable lesson too, which has stayed with me and helps me now having to leave it again 10 years on. 
Because, you know, I had to sell my mum and dad's home after they died. But I still, to this day, remember every nook and cranny of that house where I grew up. I then lost the marital home and my mum and dad's kitchen that I'd built. But again, all the memories, the good as well as the bad, stayed with me. If I close my eyes, I can imagine both houses exactly as they were. And the memories and experiences of what made me who I am. I made them houses home. I then made Princess Cottage home. I can make anywhere home. It's me that is home, not the fucking bricks and mortar. Me. I remember my son once going to Princess Cottage and staying the night when I wasn't there. And he said it felt so strange without me there, like it wasn't home, it wasn't warm. You bring the warmth with you, just like I bring the warmth with me. And all of that backstory was to tell you that I may be having to leave Princess Cottage, but I take the memories and the warmth with me and I make home home. So if you're also having to leave your marital home after divorce, I want you to try and hold on to that. You are what makes your home more than just a house. You get the opportunity to decide how to decorate. You get to decide what goes where. If you leave the house clean, you come back to it clean. Also, if you leave it messy, you come back to it messy. You get to learn how to do shit for yourself, which is actually pretty fucking empowering. It can make you feel like you can do anything, which in my book is a hell of a strong starting point for creating your new life. Hello, it's still me, but I'm just coming in here to quickly ask you if you have joined the Divorce Book Club yet. If not, what are you doing with your life? We dive into a new book every month related to divorce, relationships or all things personal development. So if you want to join us in making our divorce chapter freaking amazing, at the end of the episode, get yourself over to www.thedivorcebookclub.com. I'll see you in there. And now, back to the episode. You can let the tough times define you by letting it fuck your future up too. Or you should take it, you take the tough time and turn it into your goddamn superpower. It's hard, I get it. There's a shit ton of emotions and feelings involved. And let's face it, moving house is a fucking stressful situation anyway, on top of the breakdown of the relationship. So please be kind to yourself. But I want to try and support you through this podcast. So today I thought I'd give some practical tips to help if you too are having to move house after a divorce. Now, I'm going to go on the assumption here that you found somewhere if you haven't, there is lots to consider in terms of knowing your finances and your budget and shit, as well as the location. Try to fight the urge to run away. I looked at moving to Spain and other friends, my neighbour moved to Cyprus. All I'll say is you take you with you wherever you go. There is no quick fix by running away after a divorce, sadly. Otherwise, we'd all be bloody doing it. So let's assume you found somewhere and now you need to practically think about physically moving there. Okay, number one, if you can, 
do what I did and take it step by step, room by room. Now, I ended up getting right into it and excited. But obviously, as I've said in the first bit, I needed Supergem to help and guide and support. And I'm hoping you too have your own version of Supergem. But if you don't, let me be your goddamn moving buddy. Message me, tell me what you're struggling with and I'll do what I can to help. So back to the step by step, room by room. Start in a room that has less emotional meaning for you. Like, don't start on the fucking bedroom or the family photos, you know, give yourself a frigging break. Just make a start on something small, like one cupboard or one drawer. Get a box and start to just work your way through it. When you start and you start to see things being packed away, you kind of The progress helps to energise you to carry on and you get the momentum. But for tip number two, whilst you're doing this, start to think about the best ways to declutter. Because, you know, if you're anything like me, you've built up 10 tonne of shit over the years. Think about where things miraculously grow over the years, but that you really don't need, like pots and pans or mugs. There's always so many mugs. Is there going to be a time you actually need all of them freaking mugs? Do you need 37 fucking teaspoons? I don't know. Maybe maybe you do. I don't know. Also, leave the room where there's the most sentimental shit until the end. I said don't start with it, but actually just finish with it. It will be the hardest room. And if you started there, you won't get the you need to keep going and... You know, let's face it, you're probably curled in a ball sobbing by five minutes in. It's just not worth it. So start small and start working through what you actually need to take. And throughout the process, try to ask yourself some of these questions. How does this make me feel? If you're, I don't know, a bit casual to it, indifferent, do you really want to keep it? Unless it gives you good vibes or is an an essential or basic or just frankly fucking useful, think about what it's going to do for you in your new place. How does it make you feel? What do you want your new home to be like? Minimal, rustic, modern? Think about the object that's or the thing that's in front of you and whether it'll fit within your vision of your new home. Have you used it or looked at it in the last 12 months? Because honestly, sometimes I think we see something stored away we've completely forgotten about and then decide we can't possibly fucking throw it away. What? What's the worst that could happen if you don't take it? And is that likely, really likely to happen? And what's it mean if it did? And then the all important one, memories and emotional attachment to stuff although this is probably a bit like the attachment styles I talked about last week the anxious not wanting to let go of things the avoidant probably don't give a shit and the secure we need secure packers people that's what we need you might come across something you don't need at any level but you want to take it why I can pretty much guarantee it's because you've attached a meaning and a thought to it which means it's in your head rather than on the item, which also means the thought stays with you even if the thing doesn't. If you're not driving whilst you're listening to this podcast, like if it's safe to do so, close your eyes for a second 
and think back to being a child. Think about something that meant the world to you as a kid. A teddy or a doll, for example. Picture its face. Hear its name. Perhaps you never let your mum wash it because it had a certain smell. Now feel what that teddy or that doll meant to you. And then open your eyes. I'll take a bet that even without it in front of you, you could see it, hear it, smell it. You could feel it. You don't need it there to keep that with you. I had a rag doll called Jemima that my grandma made. I fucking loved it. And I can see it. I can feel it. I can smell it. But I haven't seen the fucking thing for years. My niece's dog is now called Jemima. But, you know, we move. You know, I'm not being an entirely cold-hearted bitch. It's completely cool to keep some sentimental things. Like, I've got a case of memories from each of my sons when they were little. I've got my mum's engagement ring. I never wear it, but I'm not letting it go. But as a whole, try and think of some of those questions I just said about how the thing will help you move forward. Also, while we're on the subject, while we're here, I can't tell you what to do about your wedding photos, your wedding album. It's always one of those questions, you know, do you keep them for the kids? Do you need that reminder in your life? Only you can decide. But please ask yourself, how is keeping the thing, whatever it is, wedding photos or something else, how is keeping that serving you? Because this is all about you and your future now, my love. Room by room decluttering. We've covered it. We're getting there. And tip number three to underpin all of this, which can be really fucking hard with a divorce and the circumstances, but try, if you can, to be as amicable as possible. I mean, I did take one bedside cabinet and left his on his side. And we also had these iron letter things with our initials on in the bedroom on the bedroom wall that I got for nine dollars each in New York and I bloody loved him I just took the s and left his but other than that you know I didn't just wipe him out aside from that there wasn't room in my new place you know because downsizing and all that there was just some stuff that I didn't want or need and it I would have been taking it just to spite him which isn't really the vibe so I did talk through with him where I needed to over some of the bigger stuff. Like I took one of the sofas. I took the TV. I didn't want the goddamn bed. He'd also moved into a flat by this point, although he did end up moving back into the house. So he'd started himself off with a few bits too, like cutlery and crockery and whatever, which helped. But also, to be fair, he didn't argue with anything I wanted and had said to take what I need to. But I also didn't take the pieces. That's just not my way. And... There was some stuff like my mum and dad's stuff, for instance. I was taking that. But being as amicable as you possibly can really does help. It can be fucking expensive setting up home from scratch. And after a divorce, you know, it's kind of accepted that stuff might need to be split as fairly as possible. Obviously, your ex may be a complete arsehole, in which case it may not be possible. But where you can, think of yourself and your future needs, but also just be you. You don't need to be an absolute bitch. Just because he might have been a bastard to you doesn't mean to say you have to do it back. You will be okay. You will be okay. I'm going to say it louder for those at the back. You will be okay. 
It's hard. I get it. But you can make this amazing or you can make it shit. Neither has any consequence on anyone apart from you. You get to choose. So now I'm choosing to make this move out of Princess Cottage fucking amazing. I found a new place already, which I fell in love with. I had to kind of groom the letting agent because fuck me, it's competitive out there nowadays. At the time of recording this podcast, I don't even know whether I've got it yet. But either way, it's this or something better. And the next few weeks, I'm taking my own advice and taking it step by step, room by room and decluttering along the way. Please do let me know how you're getting on with moving on in the literal sense after a breakup. I'd love to hear and support where you need it. Or just if you want to share your amazing stories on the pod too, I'd love to do that. I was talking to a friend last night actually about, um, she's been divorced twice and she was telling the story about both divorces and how it happened. She was saying with her um, second husband after the divorce a couple of years ago, she went on holiday with her new partner and randomly bumped into her ex with his new partner. And like, how fucking awkward's that? But like those sorts of stories, if you'd like that on the pod, please, please, please do tell me. You know, all the links are in the show notes. Contact me. Tell me your stories that you'd like to share. Keep them anonymous if you like. Absolutely up for that. So I hope that's helped this week. I'll be back next week with another episode. Might have some boxes around me. I don't know where the mic's going to be, but, you know, we'll manage. We move, literally. So until next time, have a great week with loads of love for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Divorce Chapter Podcast. If you've enjoyed the episode, please could you do your girl a solid and rate and review the podcast. Wherever you listen, there should be an option to rate and review. And honestly, I can't tell you just how much it helps the podcast algorithm thingamajigs, whatever. And bonus love for me if you share the episode with your friends and on your socials and tag me in it at the divorce chapter. Thank you again so very, very much. I appreciate every single one of you beautiful humans. Have an amazing day.